Hi, and thank you for tuning into this podcast. My name is Shay Ryan Douglas, and in this series, we explore community connection, optimal human potential, and transformational collective growth through inspiring conversations with a diverse range of people who are working towards a positive change in the world. I hope you enjoyed this episode today, and if you would please take the time to like, share, and subscribe, we would greatly appreciate that. And I hope you enjoy. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Um, my name is Shay Ryan Douglas, and I'm from the Earth Heroes TV. Tonight, we are. I am very excited. Actually, I've got a good friend of mine, Pablo, who is a phenomenal human being, and is going to share a little bit on the role that he's played here in Far North Queensland. We're both in Cairns currently, and. Um, living on a very unique place in the world, a place that David Attenborough has dubbed one of the most extraordinary places in the world. <laughs> and so uh, tonight I've got Pablo on to open the discussion uh, around the Great Barrier Reef and the importance of restoring the Great Barrier Reef. And just to give a little bit of context, Pablo is a marine biologist. He's worked on the Great Barrier Reef for many years. He's originally from Spain, but he loves it here in Cairns, and he's just an extremely passionate, enthusiastic person um, about marine life, about the animals, um, about capturing what's going on under the water, and also conserving, restoring, and regenerating the Great Barrier Reef. And he does this working with uh, two primary organizations, one being the Reef Restoration Foundation, who are planting coral back on the Great Barrier Reef through coral nurseries. And another one is Parlay, who are doing tremendous work in cleaning up a lot of the beaches on the coast here in far north Queensland. So Pablo, I want to thank you for joining me. Um, also, one more, one more note I want to add before I um, introduce you again is that Pablo is a phenomenal underwater cinematographer. What does that mean? He takes videos and photos of the marine life, the coral, the changes in the water, the coral spawning, all of these magnificent events that we have the privilege here in far north Queensland to witness um, right in our backyard and he captures them to share with the world and he's done that by um, although those who are aware of the film that we're bringing out in March, uh, the regeneration all of the underwater cinematography has been completed by Pablo. So it's with great respect, brother, that I um, uh, introduce you and, and that we get to have this conversation. So thank you so much for joining me. Would you uh, just maybe fill in a couple of little blanks for um, all the viewers and the listeners who are tuning in right now as to how maybe and why you decided to live in Cairns and live on the Great Barrier Reef and do what, do what you love? I mean, it's not, it's not about me, it's more about, you know, what is the film, what, what is the story about the film, and in general, what is, why the Great Barrier Reef is so important. I'm just another player, in, another person in, in the universe. Um, I believe that uh, the Great Barrier Reef is probably the most important ecosystem on Earth. Not just David Attenborough, we know that it's the most biodiverse ecosystem on the planet. And we are really fortunate to have that as a backyard. And I feel that anyone that is privileged enough to live here in Queensland, not only far north Queensland, the, the reef is the size of Italy, goes from PNG 
all the way down to uh, uh, Lady Ellet Island. And anyone that lives around that coast, I, my opinion is that we have to try our best to, to keep it as beautiful as it is. I don't really like the term restoration. Uh, more uh, what you say in um, you, you, you film regeneration or nurturing and look after it. I think that is the way, the way to see it because we don't have to restore the reef. The reef being restoring itself or being growing continuously for the last 10,000 years or less. And we are just someone that can help uh, that, that process and play a small role in, in the process, but if many people are able to, to take part of it, we'll create a, a massive impact. You're totally right, bro, and I really appreciate all of the work that you do with these organizations and the profound benefits that these organizations have in helping that process. It seems evident based upon the statistics um, and the science that is coming out that there there are some threats to the Great Barrier Reef that we're aware of. And um, maybe you want to elaborate on why it's so important to work towards saving the reef um, from some of these threats and how you do that through the Master Reef Guide program, also how you do that through reef restoration and, you know, just really you explained a little bit, touched on the importance of saving this ecosystem because it's the most important in the world, but <clears throat> really why is that so important and, and how can we really do our best as ordinary people or everyday people to, to help in that process of regeneration? Yeah, so to start with the Great Barrier Reef is the, the largest coral reef system on the planet. Just talking about biodiversity, we have around a quarter of all of the animals that we know on the ocean in less than 0.1% of the ocean that is coral reef systems. Just starting with that, the enormous value that the Great Barrier Reef has for Australia as a coastal protection to start with, and uh, the, like I said, the, the biodiversity, the food source, and tourism. Tourism, uh, the tourism industry on the Great Barrier Reef is a $6 billion industry uh, before COVID. And even now during COVID, we have uh, such an enormous amount of ecotourism and high value tourism operators that they take people to the reef. And the goal is make sure that everyone that goes to the reef fall in love with it. So when you fall in love with something, you really want to protect it and you will take all the necessary actions, all those baby steps, in your daily life to, to look after the place. That is what Master Reef Guide is all about. It's about storytellers, marine biologists, diving instructors that have been working in the diving industry for a long time, the best of the best, making sure that they have a broad knowledge and a huge network with the Marine Park Authority, telling them all the, all the information that they know about the reef. And it's a collaboration with them. To, we also tell them what we get to see out on the reef. We keep an eye on the reefs uh, out there. We are the people that spend more time in the water than, than any other scientists. And what we get to see daily, weekly, and in our dive sites has an enormous value for them. So that program started three years ago, and now we are uh, 62 individuals all along the length of the Great Barrier Reef 
working in high value tourism operators and are operators that they they do a lot of reefs to a ship through a, you call it coral nurturing programs for example or doing marine biology for day programs to teach school groups to learn about the reef or just simple uh, uh, tourism operators that they want to take people out there and provide them a meaningful emerging experience that is what the master reef guide program is all about having uh, the whole uh, tourism industry involved in a high high level so when people visit the great barrier reef they can go back home falling in love with it that's our main goal I love that man and it's like how could you not fall in love with the magnificence of the Great Barrier Reef if you've seen the trailer of our new film The Regeneration all of the underwater shots with the turtles and the dolphins and the manta rays and the coral um, that was shot by Pablo and that was here on the Great Barrier Reef that is that is real footage you know that is out there in the ocean and these are the magnificent creatures that are living alongside us on this earth and it's true like I truly believe what you said there, Pablo, around falling in love with the ocean and with these animals and with just the magnificence of the, the clarity of the blue water on a beautiful day and the stillness and the diversity of, you know, going from the calm to the chaos when it's a storm and it's, it's just wild out there and these unique events like the coral spawning that happens once a year. Um, and maybe, maybe you could uh, just share a little bit on the uh, coral spawning event that you participated in, you got some really good footage of recently. And what 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 even is the coral spawning event for people who don't know about it? And the maybe the importance of the coral spawning event and how, why is it so significant? The coral spawning for for people that work on the Great Barrier Reef probably is the most exciting time of the year. Uh, we get to see how the ecosystem that we are in love with get to synchronize in a few days after the first full moon of November or after the first full moon of December. When the tide is right, the, the effect of the moon, the water temperature, everything has to synchronize and big part of the species of corals release sperm and eggs simultaneously. This, those sperm and eggs float all the way up to the surface, looks like a magnificent uh, underwater snow storm and I had the pleasure to witness that over eight times already. What I got to see this year is not only about how good or bad is the coral spawning, which is really difficult to use that as a reference to estimate how good is gonna be the future of the Great Barrier Reef. We never use that scientifically to, to estimate it. And it's also, you can, you cannot tell if the coral spawning was good or bad because maybe it was really good, but you didn't see it because at the time that happens, you were not on the water. Or maybe it was quite average, but because you were in the water in the best times when they were releasing the sperm and eggs, maybe you think that the spawning was magnificent. So what I get to see in the coral spawning and living all this year is just the engagement that creates and it's a positive story. We are so sick of uh, hearing bad stories about the planet and the ocean and it's a positive story that can really inspire people all around the world to, to see that the reef is alive, still kicking and still uh, working and that if we look, do the necessary actions to look after it, 
will is still there for future generations. And also this year was extra cool because a lot of people, even with the difficulties of uh, COVID restrictions and the downtime in the tourism industry, this year probably was one of the biggest engagements in the water, having people for all along the, great, the, the length of the Great Barrier Reef, so many divers, marine biologists, master reef guys, scientists, trying to get in the water to film the event and the best communicating amongst each other and with the media. So something that we've been working a lot during the last few years and this year was, was awesome to see that great collaboration that, that I believe that is the key of conservation. Yeah, I totally agree with you, man. And I love how you shared. This is all about sharing the positive news. And that's what we don't hear enough of these days. So often we get bombarded with the doom and gloom and the fear and the sabotage of what's going on in the ocean. But the reality is it is still alive. There's still an abundance of marine life and coral species. And even going out to one of the local islands here, Fitzroy Island, I was just snorkeling off the coast and I seen sharks and stingrays and turtles and so much coral. And it's like, wow, this place truly is magnificent. And um, yeah, I, I really love how you guys now are really coming together to work together, particularly these, there are a lot of organizations now in far North Queensland who are looking to um, do their part for the reef and for the, for the um, marine life. You know, there's so many, there's the GBR legacy, there's um, the Marine Conservation Society, there's reef restoration, there's all of these, there's CAFNEC um, as well as all the beach cleanup organizations. There's so many, and, and now yeah, that's right. They're all amazing, and they're all working together and supporting each other. And it's great to see this shift in our mindset, and in also in our focus um, as a community to restore and conserve and love the reef. So yeah, I really appreciate the work that you do, and and also really appreciate all of these organisations. Uh, there are a lot of events coming up that people can participate in um, and, and be a part of. And that's that's one of the main intentions for this video and for this podcast, if you're listening in. Um, and if you like it, I, I just want to invite you to like this video. Leave us a comment if you didn't like it. Maybe just share what, what you didn't like about it and we can respond to the comments. And also share this with your friends because there is a lot of hope for the future. And there are a lot of amazing people working towards a positive future, particularly for the Great Barrier Reef in here in far north Queensland where Cairns has become this gateway to the Great Barrier Reef. It's become over the last 30 years a hub for people from all over the world to visit and, and go and see this unique um, beautiful ecosystem just off the coast. But as Pablo expressed it runs all the way down from the tip of Australia all the way down to southeast Queensland and a really unique place which um, Pablo has quite a lot of experience um, in is, is this beautiful island of Lady Elliot Island. And maybe you could just give us a little uh, brief explanation on why Lady Elliot Island could be such a catalyst and also a kind of a blueprint for other islands to adopt this mentality around uh, eco-retreat style or uh, shifting their focus to, be, to, to care for the environment and how that has really changed um, over time on the island. So to start with, I, I would love to acknowledge that the Great Barrier Reef is, is enormous, gigantic, and every place that I have been 
blows my mind. I haven't been in any other place in the water and I've been like, ah, oh, this place is average. I always find something that I love, something that you can be interested. That's a matter if the coral cover is 80, 90% of these 10 or 20%. It's still something unique in every location. So it's difficult to pinpoint which one is the best place on the Great Barrier Reef because anytime that I go to a location, I think uh, this place is the best one for such an abundance of giant clams, for example, or this place is the best one in terms of corals, or this place is the best one in terms of uh, sea turtles. So it's difficult to choose one location. But I really fell in love uh, with Lady Elliot Island, not just for the beauty of the island, it's also what represents. We have a person that I admire a lot that is called Peter Gash that is the custodian of the island. 15 years ago, he decided to uh, take uh, the island, the lease of the island, and him, his uh, wife, and his family put endless time and effort to look after the island. And what he says really well, and every time when I hear the first time, is uh, I have goosebumps. For him, it's not about making a fortune, it's about making a difference. And it's what he done with this island, is investing a lot of in the renewable energies. The island right now runs 100% in solar and is the best location in the entire east coast of Australia to swim with manta rays. During winter, we get to see whales, dolphins, a lot of turtles, really healthy uh, uh, coral cover. But years ago, it wasn't like that. That island uh, was uh, mined for one of and there was not one single plant over there. And right now, big part of what they get through the tourism with the island goes towards the revegetation of the island. That brings a lot of seabirds. It's the second biggest um, aggregation of seabirds uh, on the entire Great Barrier Reef. Rhine Island is the first one. Lady Yellow Island is the second one. And it's just so inspiring to go to the island, have a fantastic holidays when the people go there, and have a really minimum impact when you do so. So you don't have to, uh, you know, choose your holidays and think that for that you have to create a big impact. You know that when you go there, big part of what you are contributing to the island goes straight away into the vegetation or the animals and just keep improving that high value tourism operator. And at the same time, I really like that, see them that they are fully booked. You know, now during COVID, the tourism industry is uh, obviously in lower capacity than usual. Normally, especially Kansas, we have 70% of international tourists. Uh, guests from all around the world, hopefully, they will be able to come back here in the near future. At the moment, we have locals, which is awesome to see locals reconnecting with the backyard, but it's not the same in Kansas like it was a couple of years ago. But Lady Yellow Island still have fully book. Why? They really invested the time and effort in ecotourism to give to the reef as much as they take and the reef paid off. At the end, people really choose to come back over and over. I, I cannot wait to come back to the island again. Um, if you haven't been there before and you hear me, I uh, highly encourage you to go there. The, the interpretation of the guides over there, the the experience on the island from the moment that you fly there or you fly back with a small plane and they tell you 
all along the east coast of that south Queensland to the time that you arrive on the island is, is magnificent. And that is great for the rest of all the companies because they see how awesome Lady Yellow is and how well it's doing. So they can get also inspired to be as good as them and try to do all those eco-initiatives to have the level of tourism, eco-tourism, to a really high standard for the future guests. So I can talk about Lady Yellow's forehead. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, thanks, man. That's awesome. You're, you're totally right when I'm noticing this, um, even on on land, you know, like on the mainland in Australia is that where we've seen tourism be such a um, popular industry in Australia, people coming from all over the world again, and now people making that conscious choice to choose uh, eco-certified businesses or you know, eco islands and retreats and people who are giving back for sustainability and regeneration and actually care, really deeply care about the environment. And we're seeing this huge shift, which is just phenomenal. I really wanted to just repeat what, what you shared. It's so encouraging to see that this is happening in our lifetime, you know. And so on, on that note, I just wanted to show, I'm going to do a little share screen and show uh, just a small snippet of the introduction of the trailer of the film that we're bringing out, the regeneration. Again, um, you can see some of the underwater cinematography uh, that Pablo's taken, and a lot of this was at Lady Elliot. Uh, some was in Cairns, but a majority in Lady Elliot as well. And so it's phenomenal little um, uh, moments captured. You can even see in the background of this uh, video is a shot, is a screenshot of the footage from from Pablo as well. So here it is, guys. Just the introduction. Uh, magnificent All of life little is energy. Uh, Underwater. The sun's light allows plants to grow, fruit to ripen, so much and coral to Beautiful spring. shots. Humans have Pablo's the ability captured. to harness the flow of nature. Um, but in today's world, are humans and, truly uh, honoring the ecosystems I'll of our planet? I'll just pause it there. The main, the main message of this film is to acknowledge that, yes, we do have, you know, some challenges in our lives, as which is pretty standard for everyone in all of their lives, but we do have tremendous amount of positive solutions. And I really wanted to just share, uh, or, or wanted to hear from Pablo maybe to share a little bit more on um, what some of those solutions are. Uh, if, for example, uh, what is Refrestoration Foundation and how can the average everyday person um, help to restore the Great Barrier Reef? I'd really love to hear from you, Pablo. So first of all, I'd like to acknowledge all the organizations that we have up here in North Queensland, going from Port Douglas to Cairns. Everyone is doing a fantastic job, putting the time, effort, sweat and tears into doing what they are passionate about. I had the fortune to collaborate and volunteer with the majority of them. And I'm really proud of, of the evolution and and be careful that, that everyone is doing. And one of the things that I always believe is this, the, the collaboration amongst all those organizations is, is a key component to the region and to the reef. And I'm fortunate enough to, to have a, spend my time off uh, also in the water, what I do when I'm working. And I love to talk about reef restoration because the people that fund it and run it are incredible. Uh, it's funded by a, a Gary McKenna. It's a, it's a guy that is an electrician, fell in love with Fitzroy Island while he was working there. 
and decided to uh, take part of uh, what he decided to, to take part of, of the protection of the island. And he had uh, this idea to uh, start to do to plant corals back into the island. And he knows that we've been doing that on the Caribbean and so many different places. And approached to the scientists and different people to try to put a team together to in uh, December 2017, uh, finally got a permit and we started to put the first underwater trees. What we do, we uh, find corals on the reef that uh, we know that they were really capable to tolerate heat uh, during the summers of 2017 and 16. They, they were really, really hot. And we took 10% of those corals and we fragment them and we, we make them in small pieces and we have them in underwater trees. We started really small in a really humble team and just trying to put all of our time and effort. Uh, Astrid uh, and Stuart Christie are awesome components of the project. And they, especially Astrid, the time that he, he put into, in, in, into this project is just another level. Um, yeah, sorry to interrupt you, I just wanted to pull up the website for reef restoration on the side there as you talked about it, uh, just to give people some context as to what, what the trees are, how the nursery works. So yeah, can, continue. Yeah, there are many different techniques to grow corals and plant them back, so there is another technique in Port Douglas called Coral Nurturing Program. There is another one, uh, other ones down in, in the Wheat Sundays, and everyone is doing a fantastic job. And they have different approaches and different techniques that I believe that each technique is good in the sense for the location that they are. You know, we have um, Eric Fisher, is the head marine biologist of Experience Corps, and he started to do uh, stars to consolidate rubble. So all of these organizations are doing a fantastic job. Reef restoration is uh, one of them. We were uh, really pushy, so we were the first ones to get the permit, and we were really happy to see that the rest of them got their permits as well. So everyone is doing uh, the beat in the reef, in the parts of the reef, which is what we can call reef stewardship. We are not going to be able to grow the entire Great Barrier Reef. It's not, it's not such a thing. It's the size of Italy, but we are able humbly to not only uh, take part into growing corals along the reef and improving or helping uh, the natural improvement of, of the reef. Uh, but what I see in all these organizations, the powerful tool is a change in the mindset that you can create talking about all these projects and involving uh, not only uh, people from the uh, public, you can also, uh, we've been doing with school groups, uh, see people that it's such a simple thing, cut corals, make them go faster on the water, and be able to improve the diversity and the coral cover of the reef. And when someone get to plant a coral, is you know when you get to plant a tree, you you love it. It's your it's, it's something that you contribute to to planet Earth or the planet Ocean in this case, and you just wanted to see it grow, get big, and and become such a, a beautiful individual. And okay, it's only one coral, the same that can be only one, I don't know, one turtle you can save to put on the reef, but it's just that symbol that people really get attached to and they, they can think, oh, I really want to reduce my carbon emissions or I'm going to stop eating seafood. 
uh, or I'm gonna start to, to eat more uh, plant-based uh, diet because I know that has a good uh, outcome for the for the race. And it's difficult to talk about the bigger picture, but if you just talk about those colors that they planted, uh, it's, it's easier for them to break it down and, and focus in that small thing. And I think that a small thing that is a coral can have a tremendous impact in, in terms of uh, the awareness that you can create. Yeah, you're totally right, man. <clears throat> so just to break it down simply for those who are listening in, uh, refrestoration, they take cuttings of a mother coral species that has withstood the catastrophes of coral bleaching events, cyclones, high winds, um, and, and all of these things, pollution in the water, and they're still thriving and alive today. And they take these little cuttings like they would with plants and put them on these little tree structures and they place them in these uh, highly significant areas that get really good water flow, good nutrients, uh, great sunlight, and they watch these little baby corals grow into their own little species. And then they, they disconnect it from the tree and replant it on dead bombies. And it's a phenomenal, very like extraordinary project because I had no idea that that trees are um, or corals are very similar to trees in that element. And it begs, it made me beg the question, which might seem so simple for a marine biologist, but maybe you could help to answer. And it's a little bit of a trick question for our audience. Um, and I'll be curious to hear. You could write in the comments what you believe your answer is. But Pablo, if you can answer this for me, I'd love to hear your perspective. Is coral a tree or an like is it a plant or is it an animal that's a question that we get every single day when we go to the rave and you hear people saying wow that rock is really beautiful they're like don't call them rocks they're gonna be really upset they're really evolved organisms so corals are animals okay they are related to jellyfish mind them as a colony as a group of teeny tiny jellyfish upside down where they have tentacles, the animal itself can live with a plant in the tissue. On the top of them, there is a symbiotic plant called Fusentelli algae. I spent my whole marine biology degree to learn that name. This is a plant that gives color and also a big part of the nutrients to the coral. And on the top of that, corals are also creating a skeleton of calcium and carbonate. That's the reason that some of them look like rocks and they create these massive barriers that stop the effect of waves and even protect us from cyclones because they grow on the top of each other. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode and for listening to this podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this series and if you'd like to listen to the full episode and get more conscious content online tune into our online video platform at earthheroestv.com hope you have a great day guys and a huge love from me and see you next time